This is About Town. I'm Blakely Freed, and today we have Connie Cronley reading her column from the August issue of Tulsa People magazine. The title of this column is, We Went and Lost Our Bright Golden Haze. Well, it turns out that low-down polecat Daniel Fish won't be showing his lion face in the state of Oklahoma. Daniel Fish is the guy who ruined the musical Oklahoma with his dirty, ugly, feminist, mean-spirited version of the Broadway classic We Love. He took a candy-colored operetta of romance and turned it into a roadhouse brawl. He took pretty little Lori out of puffed sleeves and put her in jeans, just like the tough rancher she was. All Curly wanted to do was ride around on his horse, joking and singing, and Fish made him a killer. The farmers and cowboys don't want to get along with nobody. Daniel Fish even ruined, that's how we say it in Oklahoma, ruined the music. He gave some country-western pickin' flavor to the little band on stage. Now, ordinarily, this is our favorite music, but we want the world to think we live in a lush orchestra with a big string section. In truth, it was quite a tussle to get the legislature to adopt Oklahoma as the state song back in 1953. One lawmaker said, How could we have a state song written by two Jews in New York? In fact, Rodgers and Hammerstein were somewhat shocking when they wrote about race and culture, especially in their musical South Pacific and Hammerstein's showboat. One reason Oklahoma was such a Broadway success in 1943 was because of its sweetness. Standing room audiences were full of World War II military personnel being shipped out to fight overseas. And many thought this was what they were fighting for. A wholesome America full of pie suppers, handsome cowboys on horseback, and sweet romance on the prairies. Ah, the history that never was. Daniel Fish's revisionary production has been making headlines since it premiered in New York in 2019, advertised as Not Your Grandmother's Oklahoma. His version is sexier, darker, grittier, and more violent. This revival isn't a love story, but a story of a rough people in a rough place, including gun violence. Actually, I think that was my grandmother's Oklahoma. I've studied some about Lynn Riggs, who grew up in Claremore, his play Green Grow the Lilacs, which was the origin of the musical, and our territorial and early statehood history. It was a hard place and time to scratch out a living. I have wanted to see the Oklahoma revival since it premiered. This was to be the theatrical highlight of my year. But... The Tulsa production was postponed, although no new performance dates have been announced. And I stomped and pouted like a child whose favorite toy's been taken away. The presenters said the postponement, no new performance date predicted, was because of the show's 
gun violence. Now, here's a sarcastic aside. I notice the big gun shows in Tulsa are going on as scheduled. Some people don't like the new Oklahoma, but there are always complaints when a classic is revised. However, we have a lot of revisions of Shakespeare, and they're often welcomed. James Imes' new adaptation of Hamlet is titled Fat Ham. It's set at a southern barbecue and focuses on black masculinity and homosexuality. It has won the 2022 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. When Oklahoma became a state in 1907, it was heralded as the most progressive state in the Union. Voters had a dream of a compassionate state that provided its citizens with free public education, effective mental health care, progressive criminal justice, workers who were valued over corporations, and children who were protected by law from working in mines and factories. Well, we got over that compassion pretty fast. In just four years, Oklahomans realized how much kindness costs in effort and money. Today, we never connect the two words progressive and Oklahoma. And still we have a teacher shortage, poorly ranked public education, inadequate middle health care, high incarceration of women, soaring child poverty, struggling health care, a groaning criminal justice system, growing food insecurity, homeless numbers inching up, unlivable wage, and housing shortages. I came across this quote recently that I like. The truth, however unpleasant, is the ultimate kindness. Rogers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma was a fairy tale. We have created a state with no storybook gloss. Maybe Daniel Fish has given us the Oklahoma we deserve because we went and lost our bright golden haze. And speaking of Lynn Riggs, we actually have another column for you on the back end of this episode in honor of the opening of the new Claremore Museum of History, Lynn Riggs Gallery. This was my column from back in 2007 titled, Who the Heck is Lynn Riggs? You cannot be from Oklahoma and not know who Lynn Riggs is. I think it's a state law. Lynn Riggs wrote the play Green Grow the Lilacs, on which the mega-musical Oklahoma is based. But I have been timid about learning about him because I thought he was responsible for Gordon McRae and Shirley McRae and everyone else in the movie saying anything and everything, as in, oh, what a beautiful morning, everything's going my way. That is so wrong. Nobody says anything and everything. It's a linguistic thing. Words with a silent E vowel in the middle do not drop the final G. With a long E in the middle, it's different. We say something or nothing, but we don't say 
anything or everything. This was Hollywood and Broadway that did that, trying to be Oklahomans and Phelan. So I resisted learning about Lynn Riggs until the University of Oklahoma issued a new collection of his plays, and he received a posthumous honor at the Oklahoma Writers Hall of Fame. I was shamed into learning more about him. His biography, titled Haunted My Home by Phyllis Brunlick, tells us that Raleigh Lynn Riggs was born in 1899 near Claremore. His mother was Cherokee and died when he was about two. His father was a prominent rancher and banker who remarried a woman who became a prototype of a cold-hearted stepmother. She locked young Lynn in the doghouse when he misbehaved. He was a slight, fair young man, bright, articulate, but not quite manly enough for his father, who refused to pay his tuition to the University of Oklahoma. So, Lynn mortgaged his own Indian allotment and paid it himself, augmented by money he made writing. And at the university, he flourished artistically. He wrote poetry, short stories, plays. He taught freshman English. He sang on the Chautauqua circuit. Then he had something of a nervous breakdown over a girl. He relocated to Santa Fe and was reborn as an artist and a gay man. He worked as a cowboy at the Wall Street Journal, at Macy's in New York, and as an extra in cowboy movies. In the late 1920s, he won a Guggenheim Fellowship and spent a year in France where he wrote Green Grow the Lilacs. It was produced in New York in 1931. Throughout the 1930s and 40s, Lynn Riggs was in Hollywood writing movie scripts, including Cecil B. DeMille's The Plainsman, a couple of Sherlock Holmes films, and Garden of Allah, starring Marlena Dietrich. He wrote a friend, Charles Boyer is superb. Dietrich, the bitch, is sometimes ravishing. He was best friends with Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. He danced and dined at the Coconut Grove. He lived back and forth between California and New York, but his visits to Claremore were not happy. Lynn Riggs was one of the most distinguished writers of his time. He wrote 21 full-length plays, 24 film and TV scripts, and books of poetry. He was often mentioned in the same breath as Eugene O'Neill. And yet, his father never approved of his work. When his father died, Riggs did not come back for the funeral. He died himself of stomach cancer in 1954 at age 56. For the first time in state history, the governor of Oklahoma sent a state flag to be draped over his coffin at his funeral in Claremore. Perhaps his father never approved of him in his life, but this day, Lynn Riggs was the state's favorite son.